0: Good evening everyone, my name is Makai Eastman and welcome to the Arts and Conversation podcast. Here we're going to talk about the visual arts this week, specifically with photography and graphic design slash book art. <laughs> uh, I have my two dear friends, Destiny Greer and Rebecca Jones. The common thread between us is that you know we've all worked together in some capacity. Rebecca Jones has actually given me the pleasure of designing all of the posters for every single show I've directed, and hopefully every single show I will direct for the rest of my life. <laughs> and <laughs> Destiny has actually acted for me once <laughs> in Angels in America, and she also designed my tattoo. I know mean, you can't really see it, but it's there. And it's my favorite. <laughs> um, but first of all, thank you two so much for taking time and actually coming to sit and chat with us for a little bit. Of
1: course. Thank you for having
0: us. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to be that guy because as I was telling Rebecca a little bit earlier, you know, I was never good with the visual arts at all. Uh, when I was in second grade, I got an F for art class. That was the first F I'd ever received. And I was devastated because I just was not good. And yeah, I was Mm, seven, eight years old, something like that. And sure, it was just uh, art class, and you would think it wouldn't be that serious. No, I was bad. So bad that when we had our open house for progress reports and everything, I wasn't even posted in the on the wall. Everybody else was. I was not. And I guess either of you can kind of jump in. How do you do it? <laughs> this is uh this is the uh this is the one topic that i have absolutely no relevant experience in so i'll be learning just as much as everybody else but how do you make what happens in here happen out here
1: <laughs> practice <laughs> so wow. much of it really like you know i hate to you know use a cliche but i describe myself as having been born with a pencil in my hand like It's just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of not only doing, but also looking. Um, Like learning to see things, both art and also, you know, seeing everyday things. Mm -hmm. Um, Just trying to find art in everything. And then just doing it, even when it's bad. Just going. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of, I grew up. Uh, like, in the mentality
2: with, like, my art teachers and stuff, like, anyone can do art, and, you know, like you said, you're naturally bad at it, and a lot of people have, like, that idea they're naturally bad at it, but, like, if you try and you put a lot of time and effort into it, the more that you do it, the better you get, like, you see a lot of people who are really, really great artists, like, their beginning work is not good, you know, Um, but then also I agree with what Rebecca was saying, um, looking at art is really important too. And I've learned that a lot going to college for visual arts because like, you have to take so many art classes and they're constantly asking like, where your inspiration is coming from because other artists are going to constantly inspire you. Even if it's, they're like inspiring you like under the radar and you're not actually aware of it, I think it's really important to like, look at other artists and take what they're doing as
0: well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess uh, curating it, pun intended to uh, to get yourself to train and just keep practicing and get better. I guess that's something I never really did growing up because I just felt like I was so bad and I would never get better. So I just never did. Honestly, it took me even years to get my handwriting to be acceptable. Um, versus, you know, my first brother, he was one of those naturally gifted people, even though he doesn't draw. Much anymore, but he always just drew like his little favorite cartoon characters growing up, and it looked almost identical sometimes to what would be on TV. He just he just did it, and that was always fascinated. Me. But uh, I guess it comes down to again a little bit of work, a little bit of gift, and a little bit of persistence. the sugar spice and everything nice that comes with that perfect storm
2: yeah
0: yeah
2: um I feel like of course I don't I don't know I always had this argument in high school about and I guess Rebecca maybe you can talk about it a little bit too um but like there's always this argument if like talent is real or not like if someone is like naturally talented or if it's just like skills that you pick up on um because like Same thing with acting, like, you work it every day, and the more you do it, the better you get, so it's not necessarily someone, like, could be naturally talented at something, um, because, like, when a high school teacher, he hated the word talent. He literally despised it. He was like, talent is a myth. You don't have talent. You just have skills that you work at, so I don't know if you've ever, like, experienced anyone like that. It was like, talent's not real.
1: I a lot of that discussion. (laughs) similar, um, very, very similar discussion. Like some people, you know, will, I find use the, like talent excuse, like the lack of talent to not do their work, specifically in art school. Makai, you didn't go to school for this. So I, this is, doesn't include you, but like no, people who, you know, uh, say, oh, I'm not good at it. Therefore, I don't want to try it. Um, And then you have people who attempt to kind of um, slide by and not actively improve because they're already good at what they do. So improvement isn't kind of on the forefront of their mind. Um, So it's really interesting seeing everyone's different perspectives. I personally am like kind of a little wishy-washy on it myself, Um, but I'm just really focusing like on improvement. Always.
0: Yeah,
2: I definitely think saying like talent is a myth is like kind of extreme. Just because like if yeah. you think about like people who play sports, like as an example, like there are yeah. some people who are just really naturally talented at, at certain sports, and they do get better with more practice, which makes them great. But like you can't, you can't become like a great artist like Vincent Van Gogh and not have like some kind of small. Ish of talent right there. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like already, your brain is wired in some specific way, or like already, like you you saw something when you were little that was like, oh, that connected in a in a different way for me than other people. Yeah. Had, so. so
2: it's the whole left brain, right brain thing. Like, there's some kind of something there that's like natural that just makes you, I feel like, better at, I guess, to learn those skills. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I can agree yeah. with that definitely. So, with that said now when you i'm speaking as a director right what i see in my head is almost identical to what i would imagine the final product being so it would be like if almost like if if everything was filmed in my head right i can kind of close my eyes and I can envision, okay, well, how would it look from this angle? How would this, uh, how would this read from this part of the audience? And how can I make this even stronger with forced perspective and things like that? So I think you can, you know, marry the visual arts into that aspect of theater and have a similar impact from what people are expecting when they walk into an exhibit or museum. Um... So with museums, I've been introduced to museums really when I was in high school and we took our fall trips up the coast and we visited like MoMA and the cloisters and things like that. Do do, Speaking as artists of your caliber... Do museums tend to help people reinforce their pre-established notions of what art should be? Do you think, or if, for example, me being a bright-eyed and bushy high school student, i will be able to just walk into a museum and feel like, oh, well, I'm welcome and I'm at home. I can learn so much about things I never even thought about, uh, even researching before in my life. Because I noticed that when it comes to museums, it's very much a mixed bag, even just going by myself to like the Tampa Museum art or something like that. It's people who've been there a billion times over again, just to kind of, oh, it's a new exhibit, can't wait to see it. And versus, you know, they try to get people in with, oh, here's your free student pass if you have your ID card or what have you. But then I'm just thinking, well, are these people who would be in the museum anyway? if you know if they didn't have that free pass or anything so I, does, does that make sense how does uh how does the accessibility factor work into it in your opinion?
2: um well so like museums are like this thing in the art world that's like their whole like on own separate things just like you can do like museum studies which like oh. you train to like be able to like curate this artwork and um, like there's this whole study of like where you put art in a gallery so that it has flow um you know how you collect certain pieces together so like there's this whole study to it um which is actually really interesting but like speaking on the sense of like people going to museums um i can see what you're saying about like that accessibility and i think it really it depends on the museum itself because i know i've been to some museums that just feel so stuffy. And, like, it doesn't make you feel as, like, able to connect to the art. It feels like there's this disconnect there. It's, like, it, these are, like, these prized gems and these possessions. Um, and I feel like I'm not to that caliber. But I've also been to museums. Like, um, I went to the Contemporary Art Museum in Austin when I was in Texas. And that museum was so chill and so relaxed. But it had so many breathtaking pieces that I was able to, like, sit with and really process. Um, but, like, personally, I'm always going to be more apt to museum them because I am very interested in the visual arts and I have respect for that. Um, and I want to learn and grow and be inspired by the works. Um, but I know my like my dad, for example, he's like an engineer, like he's a doctor in science. Like he has all these like degrees and stuff, different, completely different side of the brain. But he also loves art museums. He's like one of the reasons that I always go to museums. Like He's always the first, like, we on a trip to be like, oh, let's go check out this museum. And he'll spend hours upon hours in the museum with me. So I think it just like depends on like, your respect for something, even if you necessarily don't do it, your ability to respect it, just like someone who would come see a play or something. Not everyone's into theater or does theater, but it doesn't mean you don't respect the art of it. So I think it just depends.
1: Lisa. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything that you just said. Like, it really depends a lot on the audience. It depends a lot on the, like, layout of the museum itself. Um, I had a whole discussion in one of my freshman year classes that I still remember to this day about um, how... uh, people kind of outside the art and museum world would consider like a bare white wall with a frame on it or a bare white plinth with a thing on it to be neutral when in reality um, there are things that maybe started as something neutral and thus like at, over time have kind of developed their own personality so um, you get situations where you have you know, a bare white wall, but with art on it that's so—that invites interaction and play with the pieces around it, but isn't given, kind of, the space to do that. So, like Destiny said, there's a whole—there's curatorial studies and museum studies, and I have (laughs) taken none of those classes! (laughs) So, I'm—I can't really speak on, like, the the exact science of it, but— you know um i believe that how we display art is a really big part of you know how we consume it and it's important for that art to be in kind of the most optimized space possible and for it to be accessible to the people who want to understand it and can understand it
0: that's great i think we really understand my next question would be I about because i struggle with this as well but It's the the chicken-and-the-egg question. So, if you have a project or a piece that you're about to do, do you find more often than not, do you have the idea going into it to say, I'm going to definitely create this, or do you just happen to be inspired by some sort of external stimuli and it just manifests itself through your hands? your
2: eyes. Rebecca, you take this one first because I feel like got <laughs> okay.
1: a very interesting perspective. So I, I, I was about to say I'm really excited for a photography expe- perspective on this because <laughs> I'm not a photographer. But anyway, um, for me, um, with my work, it is usually, I will find inspiration in, um, uh, gosh. Um, lately it's been, um, like a reading that I'm doing, um, either, you know, just a book for pleasure or an article for class or something, um, that will give me a vague idea. Um, for example, um, in, uh, my last class, um, literally my last class, um, we, uh, were talking about, um, the concept of books. This is a whole class about the concept of books, and I could get way too far into that, but not yet um so somebody used the phrase um a book that is not meant to be read and i thought what wait a minute (laughs) and so that got me thinking you know what is a book that is not meant to be read is it a book that has pictures it is a book is it a book that has no concept content at all so it's just blank um What about a book that cannot be read instead of should not be read? What about a book that would never be read? So like a book that has content in it, but that content is completely inaccessible. So it'll start, I usually start with very abstract ideas like that when I'm working with book arts. Um, With illustration and design, it's usually, oh man, that looks really cool. I wanna try something like that. (laughs) And then it just kind of snowballs.
0: Right, because You know, every time I asked you for a poster, I would say, you know, I don't know what I want it to look like. Here's the title. Here's the author. Here are the dates. Here are kind of some uh, general themes as to, as my, one of my favorite professors would say, my pen interest board of things. Uh, Here is a bunch of pictures of what I think this production is going to give off thematically. And I would say probably eight out of 10 times, we send it off, like, here's the image. I'm like, yep, that's it. <laughs> or maybe uh, something uh, a definitely different. close to it. <laughs> but more often than not, you know, it seems to just work. And that was, I guess that clears up a lot of things because you know, even after I'm done with it, I'm just like, God, how does she do it?
1: <laughs> you know what, I'm just gonna say you are giving yourself too little credit here because what I do is I ask you for, for in, any inspiration and I ask you also for things that you don't like. And with that range of inspiration, you are able to pretty clearly communicate to me what you want. So you're pretty good at this too. <laughs> Thank
0: you. I guess that does make sense because again it's always like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Thanks, for Rebecca.
1: It's a collaboration. We're both we're both doing our part. Cool. Really, she's just reading into your psyche. She just knows.
0: <laughs> that's what I was originally believing.
1: I just I can I can feel it. I can hear it. Oh, he he wants hot pink. <laughs> that was me doing Angels in America.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Destiny, chicken um, of the egg. Yeah.
2: So my process is always very interesting. I consider myself a very experimental artist, um, whether it be like film or painting or photography. Um, I much prefer things that are like abstract and you need to like read into them a lot. But my process is also very experimental in the sense that um, I don't really ever have a plan when I go into things. Um, sometimes it may be like, like one again, like very abstract inspirations of like what Rebecca was saying. It would be like, okay, I know I have to use this specific art form. What do I want to communicate with it? Or, um, you know, one like simple idea, which is really easy to do in art classes because they like, feed you these props normally and like, here, this is like what you need to do. Um, but I remember being in like mixed media painting too, was like, literally just said, create a body of work, do whatever you want. I was like, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Like I don't know where to pull this inspiration from. Like I was so like taken aback. I was like I don't know where to go. So, I guess I wouldn't really know whether to say it was the chicken or the egg, but I kind of just feel like I just go into something and I just let it happen. You know, like I'll come into it with a few ideas, but then I just like let the work take over. and and do what it needs to do because I feel like if you're fighting with something it's not it's not communicating what it needs to be and if you just like let it take over and kind of let it control you and where you're going um it's like much easier to like I don't know to turn it into something um and like with photography it's a little more difficult because there's a lot of aspects of that so like you first like you have to plan like at least an idea to make a shoot, and then once you shoot, you have so many images, you know, typically I take between the 300 to 500 images, but I then have to cut down to, like, 50 at the most, you know, the best 50, and then after I edit those 50, I have to take those 50 down to, like, the best five or 10, um, so it's, like, a long process of, like, throwing stuff at it, and hoping it throws stuff back, if that makes sense.
0: No, it absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Now, in the same vein of inspiration, do either of you have artists that you've looked up to for your careers thus far to say, not necessarily, I want to be like that, but they've definitely had a huge hand in shaping who you are as artists.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel like, um, well, I mean, I'm adding new artists every day, I feel like, to my, like, repertoire of people yeah. who inspire me, um, and, like, with each artwork, it's different. Like, my, um, my final work I just did for my experimental photography class, I pulled from, like, three different artists that, like, were really inspirational to me, um, and it, it, that was really art, like, specific, because I was doing a piece on, like, being a, a survivor of rape, and so it was, like, very artist-specific. Like, those three artists had covered those topics and had done it really beautifully. So it was, like, using them to help inspire what I was creating. Um, but I also, in general, like, my go-to, like, inspiration is going to be, like, obviously, you know me, Mika, So this is not going to be a surprise, but, like, any feminist artist um, who's, like, really out there about, like, body positivity and stuff like that. So, like, Anna Medeti, um Barbara Kruger, anyone who's, like, trying to push those boundaries. Uh, and, I, of course, I always am, like, more poems from, like, ex- like, performance artists just because I am, like, also performance. So I really enjoy performance artists sort of So I think it's, like, ever-growing,
1: the artists that inspire you. That's great. I'm, of course, blanking on, like, specific artists right now. <laughs> no, but... <the dog. laughs> I tend to, especially lately, in the past maybe year and a half, two years, I am gravitating a lot towards artists who work a lot with text um, mostly because I'm realizing that um, my own kind of design and book arts practice is really starting to focus on text. Um, So people on Instagram, especially who do uh, lettering, uh, Mark Van Leeuwen is one who I'm just obsessed with. Um, Alison Provax does some really amazing uh, letterpress work with uh, poetry and repetition. Um, H.R. Beechler has some really, um, interesting work about publication, the concepts of publication, which is, you never really think of things like books and publishing to be conceptual, but, you know, people start to talk about it and it's so interesting and engaging. Um, but also like, I think it's so important for my art practice to, be involved with the art practices of people around me. So my friends and my peers, and like getting inspiration from them and having discussions with people of like all these different disciplines. Like my best friends are painters and illustrators and animators and sculptors. And it's uh, having like a diverse crowd of voices around you is so like enriching and so helpful uh, for my personal practice. So it's like, there's just, there's so many.
0: I totally get it, and I appreciate it. That's part of the reason why I had the two of you specifically now, because you have no idea who each other are, but you know, it's the same same umbrella of expressing yourselves, and hopefully pick apart what each other says, and mesh them into, oh, I never thought about that like that, or you know, how we all continue to grow. I'm surely doing that right now, because ultimately, Uh, when I'm doing something half of what it is is what it looks like and the other half is what it sounds like and ultimately I think what sticks with people the most is what they see you know Uh, theater is definitely a literary art form but you got to hook them in with these first to get these engaged
2: yeah no I definitely um, think it's nice like what you were saying Rebecca is like being um, surrounded by people with different disciplines, because um, I don't do a lot of digital art. I mean, I've done, like, I've had to do it because of, like, the BA that I got from, the like, UT. They're, like, being digital art components, but, like, I wouldn't say that my strong suit is digital art. It's much more difficult for me, I think, than most art forms. Um, and I feel like that's the way it is for a lot of artists. They kind of find, like, this one thing that fits, like, their niche and, like, what they're really good at. And it's nice to be able to talk and consult with other people who are much better at other things that you, you know, because you're not going to be great at all of it. Just like you're not great at every aspect of anything you do. There's always room to grow and learn. So as, as a visual artist, at least there are things that I'm I'm much stronger at, but there's also things I enjoy to do. That it's nice to learn
1: from other people as well.
0: All right. What I want to do now is I want to. Just... The work that you two have done that have sh- struck me as oh my god wow um and hopefully what i can ask of you since it's gonna be a little bit of a challenge for the people who aren't watching this right now who are just the listeners if you can kind of do your best to explain what we're looking at for them that makes I sense yeah because I just thought about that while we were talking, I was like, hmm, "I'm gonna show these things, and they're gonna be a good half of the people who won't be able to see it." And
1: That's true. the people listening though can always follow our art accounts. I'm sure you have That's ones. I was about to people. say, we we can can our art accounts up there. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> just slide that right there. Yeah.
0: Exactly, and well, I wish we had more time than this, but we're probably gonna have to do like a couple minutes for one, a couple minutes for another one, because zoom is allowing me to do that 10 minute marker and currently have nine and a half minutes left um all right destiny i'll start with you since it popped up first (laughs) this is phenomenal uh uh, photography series images shot on holder and digital multiple images combined experimental please (laughs) what is this i love it yeah so
2: basically you're looking at um so what you're gonna see is the, in the background is an image of my face, um, and I'm just kind of like pulling my eyelet, eyelid down there so you can kind of see all the veins and stuff. Um, and then what's gonna be in the foreground of this image is actually uh, an image from a Holga camera, which is called a toy camera. Uh, it's basically a little plastic camera, and it works in the sense that like you click it, like those throwaway cameras. Um, and it has a roll of film in there; and it just exposes it instantly. Um, so it's actually really cool because it's like a whole camera, but it's like plastic and it's very easily breakable, cool. um, and you can get a lot of interesting effects with those. Uh, so that's um, a shot on a Holga of I think it was um, some lion, a lion, and my cat. It's been some double exposure there, um, and then so I just laid those two pieces on top of each other and did some arranging here. Um, just so that you basically are only going to see my eye and a little bit of my hand, and then the rest is going to be covered by the other image. Um, and then just did some color editing there. Um, I, this was for my, uh, experimental photography class. So think I was looking a little bit at, um, we were like talking about the coronavirus and stuff. So it just has those like really, um, like kind of, um, what would you call Like, uh, not gross colors, but like the like they kind of have like a sickly feel to them, if that makes sense, because like my skin is yellow, my there's like some green in there, my eyes are a little yellow, um, and then the harshness of the blue, so it's just kind of that play, um, with like clean and dirty, I guess, in a sense. Um, so there's just like one image out of the series, but I don't want to over talk.
0: That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Uh, Rebecca, the one that I was really interested in was this one, because Hamlet's my favorite. <laughs> so
1: this was um, for a graphic design class um, one year ago. A um, year ago, this... Uh, Last month, actually, wow. Um, so the assignment was a um, it was an animation using an idiom or a um, an aphorism, and I said, um, "Well, what if I do quotes from Shakespeare instead?" And my professor said, "Sure, go ahead." Um, so I chose a couple well-known <laughs> Shakespeare quotes. Um, and the image itself is an illustration of a, uh, scroll of paper with writing on it. A majority of the writing is crossed out and on large writing it says brevity is the soul of wit and an animated hand is crossing the T in wit. So, um, yeah, this was basically an exercise in using, um, my graphic design knowledge, um, for, uh, Or not for using my graphic design knowledge in conjunction with um, my illustration skills. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to see if I could use what I learned with composition and color and layout um, and apply it in a more illustrative sense. And that's what I did for this assignment. I think it turned out pretty well.
0: (laughs) I love it. Is there anything in tandem with the fact that the crossed out words, is that supposed to be, you know, more verbose and then it's just supposed to be brevity is the soul of wit
1: yeah (laughs) there was you know brevity is the soul of wit the quote the quote itself you know it uh there's a lot of context um it doesn't necessarily Hmm. i had to figure out a way to uh get the meaning across without the context so this was the best way to do it all right i think it's
2: very clever thank you
0: um, Well, I wish we did have more time, but unfortunately, Zoom is being Zoom. <laughs> but, uh, we
1: are all victims of Zoom
0: yeah. yeah. in this community. trying time.
1: Thank you so
0: much. And I do believe that it is a requirement for everybody to go ahead and see some things that you do. So, where can we find you on the interwebs?
2: Um, well, you can, I have an art Instagram, it's destinyclear.art, pretty simple. Um, that's where I post most of my artwork, and I post a little bit of it on my um, my personal page.
1: For I live at rjonesart on Instagram, and rjonesart.net.
0: All right, I will definitely include those in the description, but thank you too so much, and just keep on, keep on. Enjoy. Thanks
1: for having us, this was really fun. Yeah, this was great, thanks for coming.